Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in the studio by Brian O'Connell. Been off the air for a little while, but we got a great show for you today. Coming up later, we have Revolution defender Jay Heaps. We'll also be talking to Frank DeLapa, a Boston Globe soccer writer. Um, Revolution coming off a good win last night. Finally, the first first two-game winning streak of the season, which is uh, surprising considering the team they have. But they have really struggled with some injury problems. Certainly, certainly that's been a factor. They've had to change their lineup uh, around a lot this year. Um, there's been players coming in and out, particularly up at Ford. Uh, where we saw Dubé get his first start and get his first goal just six minutes into that start. Uh, but overall, the Revs now 5-3-1, second place overall in MLS. Uh, not a bad place to be considering the play- players they've been out with, with Ralston and Twelman. Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting to see uh, Stevie Nichol kind of going with uh, Dubé, Mansali up front, uh, that tandem, because I think that was the first time that he had started both of them up front. And I think, you know, and maybe it's something maybe we can ask, uh, you know, Frank or, or, or Jay, but, you know, you have to kind of wonder whether or not that was, that was because of the fact they were playing San Jose and, you know, Nickel was tinkering with his, with his forwards, or if it was just something that, you know, at that, before the game, you know, Nickel felt that Dubé was the better option up front rather than Crispin. So I think given the fact that, you know, obviously all's well that ends well, but at the same time, I think it was, uh, it was an interesting time to insert Dubé as a starter up, up front with, uh, with Mansali. So, you know, a lot of injuries. I think uh, Nickel's really weathered the storm as far as, Putting in key substitutes, uh, putting in inserting guys to playing to their strengths, uh, putting Castro on the left, I think was a great idea for him. Now that now that Ralston's back, and I think I think Brad Feldman had said something to the effect that uh, Castro Castro's preferred preferred position was on the left. So I mean, you know, uh, you have to give Steve Nichols a lot of credit for you know having so many so many parts, uh, you know, fall off fall off the board and being able to plug in the. Uh, Almost the right ones almost at each time. So, you know, 5-3-1 and one isn't too bad considering, you know, they've been without Tom and they've been out without Ralston for a large part of the season. And talked about Dubé. Uh, as we said, he had his first goal in the 2-0 win last night. But against San Jose, you know, against Chivas USA the weekend before, he actually was the first one off the bench uh, over Christman. Obviously, Twelman came on at halftime. But when Nichols saw that he needed to bring, uh, you know, another forward on where it wasn't working for Twelman alone up top, he went to Dubé over Christman. I think we're seeing that you know, Chrisman kind of has fallen in, down to really the fourth choice forward out of the, you know, the four. Where it looked like going into the season that there was a good chance he was going to be, you know, starting up top with Twelman. Uh, partly, he he certainly has gotten himself in good positions this year, and you know, done some good work off the ball. But he's really had a lot of chances that he probably should have put away, and that's pro- probably you know, good por- part of the reason why Nickel isn't playing him anymore. Uh, he came in last night, I think, for three minutes. But once Twelman's back. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Twelman and Mansali most likely paired up top with Dubé the option off the bench. And Crispin might not see that much many minutes this year, even you know, po- possibly less than last year. 
where going into the season, as I said before preseason, it looked like there was a good chance he was going to be starting up top. Yeah, and I think if you talk to a lot of a lot of you know people around the team, I think I think if you had asked them who would have been repl- who would have replaced Noonan after he left, I think the you know the answer would have been uh, would have been Adam Christman. And I think you made a good point. You know, he just really hasn't looked that great off the ball. He really just hasn't the decision making just hasn't been as sharp this year. And I hate to use the phrase, but you know maybe he's going through a little bit of a sophomore slump. Just you know with the fact that you know this year I think you know a lot of a lot of uh, the pressure was placed on him to kind of fill the void that Newton left with uh, you know after he had left in the off season. So I mean, you know maybe you combine that with the fact that you know he hasn't been able to play with Twelman obviously this year very much. Um, I'm sure there's a certain kind of comfort level that comes with playing with a guy who you play with the previous season rather than playing with a guy like Mansali or playing with a guy like Dubay who just you know obviously. Uh, you know, Dubay is new this year. Uh, Mantelli they signed in the middle of last year, and obviously, you know, a lot of a lot of the minutes that Crispin saw last year was with the first team. So, um, you know, you kind of have to figure. You you kind of hope that you know Adam figures it out, or you know that somewhere along the line, uh, Nickel uses his you know he finds his strengths, and you know whether he comes back as you know uh, you know a super sub you know later in the season. But hopefully something uh, hopefully something gets figured out to where uh, he can come back and be the player that he was last year, maybe even better. These are certainly good choices for Nickel to have. You mentioned Caster earlier getting the start on the left. It uh, looks like uh, he'll probably continue in that spot. Nickel seems pleased with his performance. He was pleased with uh, Dubé's performance, certainly. I asked him about that. Uh, but there's also on the right, we saw Thompson get the start. Niasi came in as a sub. Niasi obviously not fully fit. Uh, that's going to be a good battle there. Thompson's been playing pretty well. Um, Niasi obviously has a different dimension that we haven't seen you know, from the Reds with his you know, incredible speed, speed that really seems unparalleled. And MLS, you know, there's a couple fast players out there, but no one's really been able to keep pace with him. When he came off the bench, he kind of changed the game there. The Rebels had kind of fallen asleep, it almost seemed like, in the mm-hmm. second half. You know, neither team was really creating much. He kind of changed that coming on. Uh, him and Mansali adds a lot of speed to the team. Um, especially in that match, you saw Kano Smith and Stanley Yossi on the bench. That's got to be pretty frightening for defenders. You know, tired late in this game, two guys that they couldn't keep pace with normally. Now they're in the 60th, 70th minute. These two guys come off the bench. That's an option that the Revs really didn't have last year. They didn't have all these options to bring off the bench. Um, they haven't had it for much of this year because of all the injuries. They've really been forced to you know, play the guys they've had, and they've shown well. But going further in the season, we know they're in four competitions. Uh, they're in the U.S. Open Cup, the CONCACAF Champions League, the Superliga, as well as MLS. They're going to need this depth, and uh, that's something that they have this year that I'd say certainly better than last year, even despite losing Andy Dorm, despite losing James Riley, you know, despite losing Pat Newton. Some of these guys that they had last year that didn't play really stepped up. Guys like Castro have shown they can contribute. And, you know, some of the new draft picks like Dubé uh, have, have really made an appearance where, you know, I, I certainly wasn't expecting anything out of Dubé seeing him as a late supplemental draft round pick. But he, he's really come up and proven that he can play. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I think one thing that I think has worked to the refs' favor as far as the injuries, if you want to find a silver lining, is the fact that a lot of these guys that normally wouldn't see uh, you know, first team minutes gets first team minutes now, and now they kind of get battle tested for all the all the competitions that come up this summer with you know su- with Superliga, with U.S. Open Cup, um, you know, with all those extracurricular tournaments. I mean, they're going to have to their their depth is going to be severely tested. And I think a great way to kind of break in some of the guys that are new this year, some of the guys that you know maybe came aboard last year but really didn't get the first team minutes, a guy like Igwe, and you know, a guy a newcomer like uh, you know Chase Hilgenbrink. Um, it's a great way to see, you know, to kind of battle test them as far as, you know, getting them getting them in shape and getting them ready for these summer tournaments. It, it certainly is, and that's where, you know, obviously we never want to see people get injured, mm-hmm. but uh, with Twelman with out, uh, with Ralston out, these guys have really had a chance to step up. And, you know, now they can come into these games 
and have the experience of having started and you know play, played really well throughout the season. So these are guys that you know last year uh, the Reds kind of were lucky; they didn't have too many injuries. They did have a few, but nowhere near as many as they had to start this season. There's been some play- times where they've had you know six regular starters out, uh, such as that game in Dallas, where they've actually come away with a win uh, in Dallas in a very tough place to play. Uh, now these players are going to be ready when it comes time for the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, where in the past maybe we've seen Nickel put out a few subs that haven't really been ready, and then they've lost these games. Now they should be expected to be able to win them with these players. Oh yeah, definitely, and it's uh, you know it's it's a credit to uh, to Nickel as far as getting as far as him getting the players in the off season. As far as you know, there weren't many big there obviously weren't any big names that really came. Um, obviously, uh, Mauricio Castro was probably one of the bigger names that came on board this off season. They signed that kid Arjenis Fernandez. Um, who I'm actually very interested to see what he can do. I know he's he's seen a, he's seen a couple of minutes this year. I, I I believe I forget which game it was, but I do I do know that uh, you know that they, they've got a lot of players that even e- even players that they've taken the off season that still haven't even seen first team minutes, and to still have that and to also have guys who normally wouldn't see those first team minutes already chalk up you know get some first team minutes under their belt. I mean it's I think it's a great it's a great you know warm up I guess you could say if you want to call it that. Um, as far as getting ready for these tournaments, and actually not just the tournaments, but also getting ready for uh, for later in the season when it comes time when uh, the play out when the matches get bigger and bigger. And those are some guys we haven't seen a lot of, but uh, now over the phone we're joined by Revolution defender Jay Heaps, who certainly been with the team for a while now. I believe actually the longest member, the Revolution member who's been with the team the longest at this point, uh, back since 2001. Uh, this year though, Jay's had to move to the uh, left side of the defense with Chris Albright coming in and done an excellent job. Jay, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How you doing, Sean? Good. Thanks a lot for joining us today. All right. Well, first of all, how was it making that switch to the left back after playing right back for what seems like pretty much your whole career? <laughs> well, you know, it, it was one of those where, uh, to be honest with you, I, um, you know, I, I, the shift is easier than I expected because I, I enjoy um, the left side now that I've, I've kind of gotten around it mentally. But it was one of those where um, Stevie kind of brought me in and said, hey, look, you know, we're going to try using you on the left. And I said, great. You know, Chris Albright, what, what he adds is another great player. So, you know, the way I look at it is, is anytime you can bring in good players, good team players, um, you, you can only get better. And I think that was what you know, Stevie had in mind. And, um, you know, and fortunately I've been able to make that shift and feel comfortable over there. Jay, Brian O'Connell from Revsnet, how are you? Hey, how's it going, man? I'm all right. I'll talk a little bit about uh, a guy like uh, a, new, a newcomer, not really a newcomer in, in, uh, in the traditional sense, but a guy who was with the team last year, Amechi Igwe. Uh, talk, talk to us a little bit more about like, what you've seen from him as far as like, what, what kind of things you've seen in his game that kind of really you, you, you could see him benefiting this team this year and, and in future years. Well, I, you know, I think Amechi is just uh, sky's the limit with his talent. Um, he, you know, he's a player that he can play a numerous number of people in numerous positions. He, uh, Strong at left back, strong at uh, in the three or the four. He can play outside wide and a five. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's determined to go forward, and, and that's great. I mean, I think he he uh, he stepped up and did some, did some great things. I think he's got a little bit of a learning curve in the sense of um, game management, just in, in when to foul and a couple fouls that he had. But but other than that, I mean, he's you know sky's the limit. I think he's going to be you know, someone that you're you know going to see around in, in the next couple of years, really really making the team uh, making better. Are you surprised at all how well some of these players have you know, stepped up? I mean, coming into the season, if you had known Twelman and Rawson were going to be out for you know, most of the games, and you did, so, some of these games where you'd had you know, just five regular starters out there, that you'd be in second place right now. Have you been impressed how you know, some of these players have done just stepping into these roles? Absolutely. I, mean, I think everyone has done you know, a great job. I also you know, I think I, I give credit, I honestly give credit to you know, our group of guys that have been here um, because 
you know, uh, we didn't panic or we didn't, you know, hold our heads down. We were in Dallas, and, um, you know, myself, Parker, and Reese, we, you know, saw Reese, we got together and said, look, you know, we got to win this game. It doesn't matter who's with us. You know, we're good enough. We have a you know, great group of guys, Connell Smith, you know, guys have been around. And, um, you know, the way we look is we want to take the pressure off those young guys, let them play how they wanted to play. And um, we really just, uh, you know, kind of got together and said, hey, look, guys, don't feel any pressure. We're, you know, we're behind you. We've been, we've been in a hundred of these games. So, you know, stand with us and, and we'll get this thing done. So I think that, you know, for, for us, you know, to kind of help them get their first year, you know, first team experience really, you know, in a positive sense really gives them confidence and can move them forward. And, Jay, you talk a lot about guys who are, a lot of guys getting this year, this year getting first team experience. Which of those guys do you think has, uh, has really made his mark this year as far as, uh, you know, making great contributions to the team this year. I mean, there are, obviously there are many candidates on the team who have really stepped up and made an impact. Um, but which one have you been impressed with the most? Um, well, you know, obviously um, I think Gary Flood is someone that I just think is, is destined to be playing at this level. Um, you know, the first team, I think he's, he's a player that can play, um, you know, in that sentiment field role. It's just, we have such a strong um, two in, in Shari and Jeff that it's tough to get, on, you know, get any time. But whenever he's played, he's played calm, cool, and he's done a great job. Um, again, going back to, to a match, I think he did great. Um, he went on the right back, played a little bit on the right back and the four, um, and then also, uh, which, which shows his diversity. And then um, Chase Hilgenbrand, who just came in, um, I think he's, he's a player that um, he can build upon. But, you know, there's, there's, there's players that are, you know, that are just, just burst and ready to get out. I mean, we got young guys that haven't even played yet that, uh, you know, are working, working to try to get in. I mean, um, Rob Valentino is the U23s, I think he's a big, big, strong defender that, you know, still, still getting over his injury, but, you know, he's kind of guy that when he comes in, he's going to be strong. He's going to be real strong. So we're just trying to get everyone, you know, you know, everyone tries to rush them through their career and think that they need to start right away. And, and this league is young. I mean, I mentioned only, what, 19, 20 years old. I mean, most of us didn't even join the league until we were 22, 22, you know, 21, 22. So he's got some time and, and um, a lot of these players have time, but good to get them games here and there, um, especially open cup games, and, and we're going to be playing a lot of, uh, you know, outside beat games that, that I think young players will get a lot of experience and really make that next step. And we talked earlier about your switch from, you know, to left back. Um, it's obvious how your, how your role has changed on the field, but uh, coming in here in 2001, uh, there are a lot of experienced guys on this team now. Uh, as you mentioned earlier in the show, you're the, you've been with the team longer than anyone else. How has your role kind of changed, you know, as a leader both on and off the field? Uh, well, I mean, I, when I first came in 2001, it was, you know, we were kind of a, you know, we were hoping to win, throwing everything forward, we were kind of like, um, you know, a good group of guys, but we just didn't have, you know, we just weren't there with the, the talent level. Um, you know, that kind of shifted a little bit in 2002, bringing in Ralston and, and Twelman and, and guys that have been around for a while. And then, you know, after that, Steve Nichols just kind of, he got into a zone of picking the right players and, and, and taking this team from, you know, hoping to win to expecting to win. And, and I think that, you know, if, if we don't lose, you know, if we win, you know, two, three of the finals that we've lost, or even, you know, two of them, one of them, whatever, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a dynasty. But because we haven't won it, we haven't been able to, you know, kind of catapult ourselves into, you know, one of the, the greatest MLS teams. But having said that, you know, we're still right at the top tier. We're just, we're, you know, one or two championships away from of getting there, you know. And you've got a lot of competitions this year, and more opportunities to win, you know, some some big trophies. Uh, how does this team, you know, value each of these competitions? Is, are there any of these that you look at as more important than the other ones coming up? I mean, there's the Superliga, then there's the Concacaf Champions League, you know, which gives you an opportunity to actually compete, you know, in the World Club Championship. Should you actually win that against some of the best teams in the world? Is it is there is there hard to is it hard to try to 
you know, figure out which of these is most important, or do you put an equal emphasis in all of them? I think, you know, obviously, I mean, just the, the, the before anything, we, MLS up to us is like, is that kind of that holy grail for us. Um, so that's what we want more than anything in this world. But having said that, these new tournaments are kind of, they're new, and, and they've got a lot, not new, they're new for us, you know, having been in it. And I think that, you know, I think that as we get better as a team, we want to try to, you know, branch out and play other teams because, you know, Major League Soccer is trying to make that transition as, you know, it, it wants to prove itself as a strong league. And, and I think that, you know, I think any time you can play outside competition, outside your league, and kind of represent, you know, what MLS has, I think that you get a little extra chest, you stick your, you know, you stick your chest out and want to prove yourself. So I know the Comcast one, we just, you know, really just kind of found out about, you know, last week more or less, what I understand. But the Super League is something that we are, you know, without question, you know, setting up to really try to, you know, really put our mark down and, and try to, compete and show what we have. And you guys have been in the uh, Champions Cup a couple of times now, uh, but that's always been in your preseason. How much of a difference does it make that these competitions are taking place when you guys are in midseason form, you know, as opposed to, you know, what's happened in the past where the teams you're playing against, you know, are, are in their midseason form and you guys are just warming up for preseason? It, let me tell you, it, 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 it's, all of, it's all the difference. Um, you know, I think that if you hit it in your right stride, I mean, you know, there are ups and downs in a season, but you know, and we may hit it when, you know, you're kind of, you know, when you're going through a, a tough phase or whatever it may be, so, you know, you can't guarantee anything, but I'll guarantee this, we, when we played them in our preseason, we were, we were without question underprepared for those games, and we would go into those games and, and, and try to do our best in the sense of, you know, we were prepared in the sense that Stephen Nichol had everything in line, we just weren't physically there yet, you just, you can't get it done um, after taking, you know, two months off or a month and a half off to get, you know, have your body recover and then, you know, be expected to play, so... As we play these much later in the season, it is without question going to you know be a benefit to our team because you know we start getting our, our kind of our groove um, you know towards the summer we're starting to kind of feel a little bit and uh, you know we hit a couple different gears throughout the season but uh, you know hopefully they'll, they'll kind of slide into our um, you know into our groove. Jay, as a veteran, uh, you know with all these tournaments coming up this summer and into the uh, into the early part of the fall, uh, what do you tell younger the, guys, the younger guys as far as you know preparing for these kinds of games? I mean, I could see from maybe the perspective of a, of a newcomer or a rookie that's you know he uh, he's ready for these for these huge tournaments and he's ready for you know Concacaf Champions League, he's ready for these U.S. Uh, Open Cup tournaments. But what do you tell guys like that? Um, you know, do you tell them that to kind of like you know maybe pace themselves a little because it is a long season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'll give you an example and, and help you first play. Some of these young college kids, like like Wells Thompson last year, came in and just kind of, um, you know, I think he, he it's just it's, it, you can't brace yourself from the jump from college to pro because the season's so much longer. So I think you know after you know he had an unbelievable start to your preseason, then he kind of went into like a little bit of a mental because he was, he was down a little bit, and then at the end of the year he turned it on and it was like you know a whole new player, and that's. What um you know I think it's, it's all about is that is that you have to you know pace yourself obviously mentally more than physically our bodies can react to things but if your mind's not behind you your you know, your, your physical is going to go so you know there's a lot of guys that are getting their first you know couple couple games in and, and I think that it's important like I said is you always got to say hey look guys you got to pace yourself you got to be smart and, and especially with so many games coming up you know you can't get upset if you're not in the first team for an MLS game when when um you know we have so many games riding up. Stevie Nichols is going to do that. He's going to open up some opportunities for, for younger players to kind of to rest, you know, certain players here and certain players there. So, you know, there's going to be tons of opportunities. So it's important that the young players don't get um, kind of beat down by the, you know, by, by not playing here and not playing there. That they realize that this game, this season, could end up being 45 games. You know. And on, on the other side, that's a big benefit for the team that you have, you know, so many players with experience now from these games that have, you know, started. And while they may be disappointed not to be playing all the time. 
Um, with all the competitions this year, uh, how does the depth of this team look compared to the teams you've been on in the past? Really good. I mean, we, you know, I think that we, we um, you know, I think that we, we definitely are definitely more prepared. I think, I think we have, I think in the past we haven't been deep. You know, I think last year we had, you know, James Riley and, and Pat Noonan and Dorman. I mean, those, you can't get much deeper than that, you know, in terms of what you're going to do with your top three. But now we've been able to extend that, you know, to, to seven, eight players deep, nine players deep. You know, you have Adam Christman, you know, when Taylor comes back, you're going to have, you know, one of, you know, either Kenny or, or Kelly on the bench. I mean, those forwards being able to come in at any time are just, you know, pretty amazing. And then, you know, haven't seen much of our genius yet, but, you're, you know, I think he's going to be a guy that can change a game, you know, when he's called upon. So we have a lot more uh, dynamic, I want to say dynamic depth. You know, last year we, we could we could still, you know, we had some unbelievable talent, but now we have this kind of dynamic, like, you know, if, if we need to change the style we're playing, you know, on one sub, we could do that. And could you talk about the impact that Steve Rawson has on this team? He was obviously out for a while, but comes back into the starting lineup. Um, I don't think it's just a coincidence that, you know, the first two-game winning streak comes in his first two games, two starts back in the team, you know, as a, both a captain and, you know, a, kind of a midfield playmaker there in the vision that he has. You know, what, what is his impact on the team? Well, I'm sitting at his house right now, um, so <laughs> just, I won't say anything bad. No, I'm just kidding. He's, uh, he's, he's truly, he's an amazing um, He's an amazing professional, amazing person, amazing player. I mean, he, I don't think you get much better um, in this league. I mean, if, if, if I had his name, you know, one of the best teammates I've ever had throughout my whole life, he'd be right up there, you know. And, and he's just one of those guys that he comes on the field and you know what you're going to get every day in and out. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just it's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, he gets better. He's kind of like fine wine. He gets better with age. It's, it's, it's truly amazing. I think that... You know, I really think the move to the middle has kind of opened up. He played that in college. Then he went outside, you know, to the outside. Obviously, he was, you know, dominant out there. But moving him back in the middle kind of has rejuvenated him because, you know, now he can play, you know, the game that he's that he's wanted to play off the forwards. And he just he's always wanting the ball. He's always creating, you know, opportunities for the players. And I think that that was something we were missing. We were stagnant, in the, um, you know, in the midfield a little bit. We couldn't couldn't get the ball off the forwards. We couldn't do things. And, and the two games he's been in, the two games he started, um, where he's really made that impact. Been right up there, right off the forward, getting the ball to them, getting the ball off them, switching the ball, helping Shari out, and just creating, um, you know, a flow to our to our team and to our game. And uh, on Saturday, you didn't have, you know, the defense really wasn't tested that much until late in the game. Uh, only playing one forward for much of the match for San Jose. But who are some of the the toughest teams you've had to play against, uh, and really the toughest forwards that you've had to go up against? Well, I mean, I, I would be, I'd have to, if I didn't mention Chicago. Um, you know, I think that I would be lying just because Chicago has, you know, what they do is they really put you in a pressure because we play three in the back. And so when you're playing against them, they basically play with three attackers. So there's no room to help and slide. And so, you know, I think that um, if we don't have a defensive midfielder holding the whole time and if, if you know, Shari or Jefford is slide forward, now it's three on three. So it's basically, you know, man on man. And so when Blanco and Barry and Rolf and, and these guys are running at you at all different angles, they're going to create a lot of things. So them as a team attack is just, you know, it's very difficult. Um, I'll tell you, it, you know, I think that there, there, you know, there are other teams that we played. I mean, I think any team that can do it, Dallas is very similar to that. But we were able to, you know, when we played four in Dallas, we were able to kind of, you know, still there. We had the extra guys, so we were able to cover each other a little bit. Uh, but you know, I think that you know, when teams when they when teams push teams forward effectively, they add, you know, if they're just gonna play two forwards. I feel like of the three of us, myself, Parky, and uh, Chris, we can shut you know pretty much most teams down. But when they add that third attacker. That's when uh, we get stuck a little bit more out of position and, and, and kind of get taken taken apart. 
So sometimes you, you got to go four. But you know, having said that, I mean, you know, I think our best offense, our best defense is our good offense. And, and we get Taylor back, and we kind of get functioning on all, you know, on all cylinders. We're gonna, you know, really get. I beat teams how we did in 2005 and 2006, where we, you know, we really put it on teams and really put them on their heels. And you got a game coming up next weekend against Columbus Crew, who kind of been a surprise and come out and you know leading the Eastern Conference, leading MLS overall. Um, with a win that game, you could tie them for first potentially. Uh, what, what do you see from that game, and what have you seen from this Columbus team so far? Well, I, I, I have actually watched them on film because I've been, um, you know, I think that they've always been a good team. They kind of gave, they had our number a little bit last year. We kind of um, gave away a couple games to them, um, you know, not not by choice. You know, it was just a, a bad bad couple games for, for us um, as a team. But having said that, I've, I've watched them and, and um, you know this year, and they've really they've added. Some Pretty good players, and, and um, Moreno up top swing really well for him, and um, you know Eddie Gavin and, and Robbie Rogers just, you know, he played well against us last year. So I, I've been watching him a little bit, and um, I think he's someone that we really are going to have to watch. Having gone back to what I was saying about the attacking players, when they, when they add, um, you know, a lot of players like that that go forward, you know, he's another player that gets joins the attack, and it, it really hurts you defensively if, if guys are rushing at you um, from all angles. And do you think this is the year the Revs are finally going to go all the way? <laughs> I mean, I, I I hope so. I mean, I think that we – I really don't think that, you know, we've, we've really hit our stride yet. I mean, I think last night was the first game where we, you know, dominated the team start to finish, um, and we really didn't even play um, as well as we can. And I think that, you know, I think – I'll be honest with you, I think losing Pat Noonan um, hurt us in terms of how we attack. But, um, you know, I think that with these new forwards coming in, when Taylor – yeah, still hasn't had a chance to really um, play with them, so we got to see how they're going to react to each other and how they're going to go forward. I think there's a great, you know, great crew of them. Um, Kelly did a great job last night. Um, Kenny's done, you know, pretty spectacular since his time. So when we find one that pairs well with Taylor, um, yeah, I think that's when we're really going to get a good, you know, scope of how good we can be. Um, everywhere else, I think that you know, I think we, we pretty much match up pretty well. I mean, when you can bring, when you have to make a decision between Kenny Smith and um, and uh, Castro on the left, I mean, you're in a pretty good position because, you know, either one of them can change the game. You know, uh, Castro is so good with his feet, and then Connell Smith can just blow by anyone at any time. So there's there's a good mix and match. I think if we get on the right, um, you know, the right playing path, I think that, you know, it's definitely going to be our year. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Absolutely, boys. It was good talking with you guys. Good luck for thanks, the rest Jay. of the season. All right, thanks, guys. All right, bye. And that was uh, Revolution defender Jay Heaps, who's been with the team now since 2001. Uh, seen, been through all the Revs Cup disappointments back in, even in 2001 where they lost in the Open Cup in overtime, and then you know, the next year they lost the MLS Cup. They, but this has really been a great team, really since he's come, become a part of it. Uh, just around that time is when things started turning around, and then Nickel took over, and the team has done so well since then. Uh, we do have to take a quick uh, commercial break here, and then we'll be back. Uh, we'll be joined by Frank Delapa from the Boston Globe. for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams, Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. 
dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. The National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today in studio by Brian O'Connell from ResNet.com. And now over the phone, we're joined by Frank DeLapa from the Boston Globe. Frank, can you hear me? Yeah, just a second, Sean. Okay, I'm just fixing uh, <laughs> my uh, cell phone here. Just a second. All right, thanks. <laughs> and uh, that's Frank DeLapa from the Boston Globe joining us over the phone. Um, and we're talking about the Revs game last night with the 2-0 win. Uh, I know Frank, Frank got some good interviews after that match, and Frank, can you hear me now? Or? Hey, sorry, yeah, okay, I'm with you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. How are you doing? Technical problems on this end. Uh, <laughs> low tech, uh, uh, I'm low tech, and this is high tech. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first of all, what did you think of last night's performance? They started off, played really good first half. It seemed like the ball almost never left uh, San Jose's you know, end of the field. Second half really didn't press forward as much until Niasi came on, and then in the last you know, five or so minutes, there were some wearing moments there where it looked like San Jose, you know, probably should have scored on, you know, that one that Matt Reese punched out to Shea Salinas, but uh, if he had put a little better placement on that shot, uh, what did you think of the rest performance? Yeah, right, I think you got it exactly right, Sean, is, uh, uh, but I think that's basically, you know, you, you, they're going to have uh, 45, 50 games maybe this year, and you've got to play uh, some of them like that in the sense they came out uh, really strong, pressured them, and, and dominated the game, and then they kind of coasted you know, coasting can get you in trouble, especially in, the, in the soccer, as you know. But uh, you've got to be able to uh, do that and kind of get through a few games like that. You know, and then you know, I think if you had a few guys like Niasi, if Twelman was in the game, they probably would have scored a couple more goals. And then you're really coasting. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I was mostly positive. The real positives were uh, Dubé and uh, I think Mansali uh, and uh, Niasi and Mauricio Castro, you know. Uh, really, the new guys, you know, really showing that they can really help the team. Frank, Brian O'Connell from ResNet, how are you? Good, Brian. Good, Brian. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, what, what did you think about the uh, the tandem of uh, of Mansali and Dubé up front? I mean, that was the first time we had really seen them both start up front. Um, you know, obviously, Nickel has has his options um, with with Adam Cressman, um, but he goes with Dubé to start. Uh, what, what was your kind of take when you saw them uh, when you saw them go with uh, with, with um, Dubé and uh, Mansali? Yeah, well, we've never seen anything like that with this team. Uh, I don't think ever anything close where you've got two young guys who are really who really move, you know, and they're, they're uh, very hungry and uh, agile. I don't think the team's ever had two guys like that up there, you know. So, so yeah, we've never seen anything like it. I think, uh, you know, I think what it'll do is bring one of them, put one of those guys probably, uh, well, we'll see who's healthy this week with, with 12 and next week. And I think that's that's the combination you need. One of those guys with all that spirit and, and uh, 
that we talk about in, in with a twelman is that's that's the combination you need to see. But yeah, I thought it was, it was effective, and I think it can be effective. Like I said, they're going to play a lot of games. Uh, you will be seeing that a lot, even if it's uh, in the late going. And what do you think of this Revs team as overall? Uh, they've lost some guys in the off season, some really good guys, and Andy Dorman and Pat Noonan, um, as well as James Riley, who we saw last night. He didn't have such a good game with the uh, uh, the own goal. But uh, is this a deeper team than we've seen in the past? And if so, is that partly because of all the injuries they've had this year that have given these guys experience? Yeah, I guess it's a deeper team, but sort of in spite of what they did, I mean, because they lost four really good players, including Avery John, yeah. you know, and somehow they're a deeper team. Yeah, how does that work, you know? But uh, I think I think they are. They're younger. They're, they're more mobile. I mean, it's probably the fastest uh, set, you know, group of players, you know, overall team speed. They've had maybe ever, but certainly in a long, long time. I mean, this team's done really well uh, sort of in despite the lack of speed, but uh, I think this is a whole different, you know, it's a whole different deal. It's uh, more dynamic, but, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. Saying all that, it's deeper, but, uh, you know, they're younger and all that good stuff, but uh, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. You've already seen a lot of the towns and some of the ups. And Frank, uh, which of the new players this year really has really, really impressed you as far as just making? I mean, there, there are many, many guys to talk about this year. You know, Igwe. We have uh, you know Mansali, even though Mansali and uh, Mansali and uh, Niasi were were in camp last year. Um, obviously, we have Dubay this year. Which of those players do you think has really made himself uh, just someone you just can't you can't really ignore? Yeah, I think that you got it right. Niasi, I think, is the one guy that's really exceeded expectations. I think Sally's done about, you know, a lot of people thought he could do, do or, you know, maybe he'll do a little more here. But Niasi's really exceeded. I mean, he wasn't even going to start in the first game, even though they had injuries. Uh, they, they just didn't think he was ready. Uh, could he cover, get back on defense? And this guy, is a, he's a highlight show. I mean, he's really been terrific. And uh, he has been hurt. But, but those injuries were not caused by tackles. I mean, he looks like he's fragile. He weighs 135 pounds. But, uh, you know, he's just uh, some muscle deals. So I think that's a big The other thing I, I've seen is uh, you mentioned Igwe, and I agree. I think Igwe, you, you could be looking at the future uh, left back for the U.S. national team. I think he's, he was terrific in the four games he played. And you mentioned a little bit earlier the ups and downs the Rebs have gone through. They've had three losses this season. Uh, considering the injuries they've had, not not so bad uh, with the 5-3-1 and one record. Uh, and then they've had, one of the losses was against Colorado, one nothing loss, where they really had a lot of chances, just couldn't finish. Uh, but Chicago's a team this year that really seems to have their number. Is there anything that you've noticed that uh, is, was why the Revs don't match up well? I know we talked to Jay Heaps earlier, and he says uh, the defensive matchup is hard because they seem to have three guys forward. But what is it about Chicago that uh, you think causes the Revs so much, so much problems this year? It seems like the past couple years the Revs have actually had you know, Chicago's number. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think uh, yeah, there's just something that Chicago uh, makes it tough for them. I don't see the revolution blowing out Chicago like that, four, four to nothing, three nil. In Chicago, I mean, even when the revolution was beaten, Chicago, they've never just taken them apart like that. So, but some of that was self-destruction. Uh, certainly, the game in Chicago was that, and I think it was. I, I, I thought from the from the I, I saw uh, last. I think last game helped prove me uh, right. Yesterday's game a little bit. I thought that uh, they had had uh, Castro on the left wing uh, against Chicago in, in the second game. None of that stuff would have happened, or very little. It would have been a much, much closer game. But uh, um, you know, it's just, uh, they, they need that possession against Chicago, and he gives them that. So, so you need a guy like that that's efficient, 
and uh, you know, very good touches on the left. I think that you know, I think Connell Smith is, is terrific against certain teams, but but against Chicago, I'm not sure you need him. Okay, then the second game, I think they just didn't have the right tactics. So without 12 men and without, they weren't in a position of strength to play the 3-5-2, and I think they simply were in the wrong formation and uh, they paid for it. And you know, they're trying to go forward and score goals, and it's all great stuff. But uh, that's what you want to see from the MLS, and we want to see that from teams. But I think maybe that wasn't the time to do it. Just as in Dallas, wasn't the time to do it, and they went to a 4-4-2, played very conservative, and got the win. And, and you talk about that Dallas game, Frank, and uh, actually Jay, Jay touched up upon it, is that it was really, a, uh, I guess you could say, if there was ever early, such a thing as an uh, early season statement game, that sh- certainly had to have been one of them. They, they go down to Dallas, it's a Thursday night game, they take it one nothing, and they're missing six stars. I mean, what, I mean what, as far as that game goes, what, what did that game kind of show you as far as you know, what the team can really do moving forward, not just with uh, you know, the players they have, but with the, with the amount of depth they have and with the uh, tournaments coming up this summer. I mean, what is, was there anything in that game that you saw where you were kind of, where you kind of, where that kind of like surprised you or kind of wowed you as far as how well this team can perform even without you know, half of its starters? Yeah, I think that showed that how they could get a result. I mean, they kind of conserved themselves there at a 4-4-2. They didn't, they didn't uh, you know, try to go forward a lot. And, uh, you know, they just, that's what you got to do, especially in the tournament play. These tournaments are going to be, and they're going to be decided by one goal, one or two uh, little things, you know. And uh, if you're running all over the place, and uh, you know, it might not work. So, so that showed me that they play four four two on the road against a pretty good team that was playing well at the time and get a result. And I think Igwe really showed a lot in that game too. Uh, he, he was he was real strong in that game against because uh, Dallas came out. They ended up with four forwards on the field and. Uh, those guys were pretty dangerous, but he held his own against them. And he was trying to take it right back in that game, uh, which is not even his position. And the, what have you seen through uh, at Almalas this, this year? We've seen, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Columbus in first place right now. D.C. struggling, Houston struggling, some of the teams that have been you know, really good throughout the years. Um, Chicago doing better than they did last year, certainly doing very well. Uh, maybe that was a little more expected as they kind of turned things around towards the end of the season. But have you been surprised by how you know, the season's played out so far? A little bit surprised, you know. I kind of thought Columbus would do pretty well, even though I can't explain why. <laughs> but they, they, maybe it just it just seemed like things were coming together. For Chicago's, you know, exceeded expectations too. So yeah, it's a little little bit upside down. You know, DC's made made a couple bad moves, and you pay for it. I mean, uh, in this league, you know, it's not like uh, you know DC's had a lot of ups and downs. That 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 team was, you know, as you know, you know, got stripped. They came back. You know, they. They won it again in uh, what '04, you know. I mean, and it's, it's just a kind of a strange league where one or two changes can can disrupt the entire uh, dynamic of a team, and, and that's that's what's happened, I think, uh, with Houston too. Lost a couple guys and uh, didn't get any faster in the back. Um, you know, I like talking to the to the young guys on the Revolution because they they just always thought that Houston was really slow. And they wanted to get in the game and play against those guys. You know, nobody wants to play against Houston's defenders because they, you know, they they they're pretty rough, et cetera. But these guys are just they're just saying they're slow, and uh, and I think they got a little slow. So so Houston paid for that. They'll, they'll probably end up being okay. DC's got some some deeper problems, uh, but I don't I don't know how they're going to quite solve those. But yeah, it's it's been a surprising year. I think we're going to see years like that all the time. I mean, Toronto's now coming out of nowhere and playing pretty well too. So. Before we let you go, I know you started up a new blog on uh, the Boston Globe website. Can you tell us a little about what your plans are for that? 
Good question, John. I mean, you know, it's a wide open uh, field that, you know, it's sort of like I've been putting off doing this because I knew that it's a lot more work and there's a lot more stuff to, to get out there. But I'm uh, uh, just kind of starting out just doing, uh, getting stuff in there that's going to get, you know, it's going to be in the paper the next day probably and, and maybe just, just, just do a, a more immediate thing so you get uh, 200 words on the blog and then uh, 700 word story the next day with have a little more depth and that, that's what we're looking at so far. You know, I don't, I don't want to turn it into too much of a gossip thing, you know, because first of all, I'm just not good at that, you know, and, and second of all, I <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I think I'm better at news, so, you know, you'll see news on there and it'll be you know, short little news things if I find something out. Well, thanks a lot, Frank, and keep up the uh, great work at the Globe. And I know you do a little bit of writing for ESPN Soccer Nut as well. Okay, good, Sean. Good to talk to you guys. Frank. Thanks, Frank. Again, that was Frank Lapper from the Boston Globe, uh, the soccer writer there. and mentioned he has a new blog. You can check it out at boston.com. Uh, he also writes a little bit for ESPN and soccernet.com. Uh, we are going to take another quick break here, and then we'll be back to you know, wrap the show, talk a little about the game, upcoming game next week. And we have some comments from last night's game that we didn't get the chance to play yet that we'll get to some of those. National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Again, I'm Sean Donahue joined today in studio by Brian O'Connell from ResNet.com. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, Dubé's performance, uh, as well as Castro and his, his play on the left, um, and the Revs' good victory last night against San Jose. Uh, we have some comments now from Steve Nickel from last night's uh, game in the press conference there, where he answered some of those questions and what you know, he thought of that matchup and those players. We can play those now. It seemed like it was a pretty comfortable win, all things considered. At halftime, it was comfortable. I thought the second half, you know, as good as we were in the first half, I thought we were as bad the second half. But... We were good, you know. We were tuning a lot, could have been more. Some of the play was great, some of the passing, you know, switching play. I mean, I think it was great to watch. Certainly where I was sitting, it was. But as I said, 
As good as it was to watch the first half, uh, it was as bad to watch the second half. As much as you didn't like the second half, I mean, they still couldn't really get anything going. No, they didn't. You know, it wasn't until the last you know, ten minutes, five minutes, where they actually they looked as though they might score. But we shouldn't be we shouldn't be complaining. You know, we've got three points at home, and uh, we'll move on. Castro on the left wing seems to give you a little bit more possession in that spot. Seemed to work well in the first half. Absolutely, yeah. He keeps the ball. You know, he's got a great left peg, and you know, whip balls in. So yeah, he did he did great. But you know, the two white guys who never got on the ball second half. You know, Wells Wells did a good job first half, and Sani came on and. When you've got guys wide that are going to cause trouble, you should get on the ball. And we didn't do it. What do you think of Dubé's performance in his first time? Excellent. But he, did, uh, he did a great job. You know, he scored a goal. He held the ball up. You know, he defended well. He made good runs. You know, he did all the things all the things that we, we asked of him. He did uh, to a uh, high quality. Steve, uh, the return of Niasi in the second half was a bright spot for the second half. Yeah, well, we felt as though we were kind of dead, and we felt that you know bringing him on might might just spark everything, uh, and certainly it did for a bit, and then we stopped getting them getting them the ball. So you know we need to be smarter when you have a weapon and you see the other team are are, are struggling against it, and then we have to be smart enough to to keep feeding the you know feeding the game. Again, that was uh, head coach Steve Nicola on last night's game. Uh, we talked to Kelly Dubé as well uh, last night, scoring his goal on his first start. Uh, he also had an interesting celebration that. Uh, kind of hard to describe, but uh, <laughs> you mentioned that he, would, that he I guess he lives with uh, Mansali and Yasi or spends a lot of time with them, and that was something that they came up to with together. Uh, we actually have his comments, too, now that we can play. Talks a little about the celebration and about what he saw on that goal. What was the celebration about? No, it's just me, Kenny, and Sandy. We've been in a stay together, so we've been messing around. So they just thought any one of us could score, just going to do it, you know. How would you assess your first start, Nichols? Very, uh, well, you know, they, they gave me a chance, you know. They didn't hurry me, hurry to just put me in the first lineup, you know. I, they gave me games to just come adjust to the MLS. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing for, for that, you know, because you can't just come in and play. You need to get used to the MLS kind of style of play, you know. So I'm just happy to be given the opportunity. Can you describe the, your goal for us to take us through that, that play? No, I just, I just made a, a good run in the box, and it happened. Shari didn't didn't get get touched for the ball, so it just came to me. So I had to make sure I finished that. You know. When did you find out you were starting tonight? Uh, yesterday. And yeah. how did you feel about that making your first start? You know, it's it's it's, it's always nice to start in a team, you know. But for me, it's my first year. I was just happy with where I was, you know, just getting minutes to play, and now I get a chance to start. So it's just, just I had had it's a great, great thing for me. It's a great feeling because the is a good team, and you got good senior players that help you come in the team. On the second goal, it looked like you were pressuring them a little bit. Yeah, I was only just trying to give pressure, you know, so that they make a mistake and they they go, <laughs> they made a mistake and it's just a goal, you know. What do you think happened on that? Time? I think it was just miscommunication between the guys, you know. Yeah. They just saw me coming and they didn't know what to do. So it works for us, so I'm glad because it gave us a good point. <laughs> Can't ask more, more than that. Uh, it looks like I mean, next week Taylor comes back and he might not be in the line. Hey, as, as long as he comes back and makes the team wins. All I, all I care about is the team. I don't care about me being in the, te- in, in the starting 11. As long as I'm part of the team, the team wins, I'm happy. That's all about it, because this is more of a, t- a team game. It's not like a, a one-person game, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you think this will put you in contention to start? 
like right now, I'm, I'm just happy where I'm at, you know. Yeah. Whatever comes, that's the coach's decision, you know. Mm. And uh, whatever decision he makes, yeah. it's good for me because I'm just, I'm just happy be, be being in the, in the Reds because it's, it's a good team in the MLS. So that's my dream. To be, my dream was to come and play in the MLS, and now I'm in the MLS, so mm-hmm. which is a great thing for me. That was uh, Dubey on uh, his performance last night, getting his first goal. Uh, it was interesting to hear how, you know, really how just happy he is to be a part of MLS, and certainly doesn't sound like someone who's going to be too upset when he goes into, you know, a substitutes role if that's what happens when uh, Tolman comes back. It's good to hear from him. He seems to have a, you know, great perspective on everything. Yeah, hopefully it's uh, it's, a, it's a perspective that all the all the rookies and newcomers share. Obviously, uh, to be humble on a team with that's pretty much still stacked with veterans, despite the losses of, you know, Dorman Noonan and uh, and Avery John. I mean, it's good to have guys who don't think they can just come in and you know fill roles that were that were established before they left. Um, you know, so it's good to have that kind of mindset. It's good to you know have the rookies like uh, Dubay kind of keep uh, keep the you know keep everything in perspective because obviously you know one goal doesn't send you to Oneonta. There's obviously more games you played so um so obviously um you know hopefully this is just the beginning of uh many good things from our uh, rookies and uh, newcomers and uh, the revs upcoming game as we mentioned a little bit earlier they will be playing against the columbus crew who you know uh, surprising to me anyways are mm. have, they, they didn't make too many changes really in the offseason that mm. you know are big name changes uh scoloto has been a great player for them but he was there last year for a lot of the season uh, but they're doing extremely well this year uh they haven't lost a game since april 5th against the new york red bulls away um, they hadn't. They'd only. They'd gone on a five-game winning streak in between there, and then they tied Toronto FC. Uh, wasn't their best performance last night against Toronto? Uh, of course, they were away in Toronto. Never an easy place to play, as we saw from the Revs in the last mm-hmm. game of the season last year. Uh, they were outshot in that match. Toronto's uh, had some chances to score, uh, but really, this is a much improved Columbus Crew team from what we've seen in the past. Uh, I think it was Frank who mentioned, or, or Jay Heaps who mentioned that the Revs really haven't had too much luck against Columbus, even when they haven't been doing well. Uh, so this is going to be a tough game for the Revs. Yeah, and uh, you know Jay uh, hit that point exactly on the on the head. I mean, they they did not do well. I mean, against against Columbus and Columbus was a was a team that a lot was a was a club that a lot of teams like you know rolled right over. And you know, unfortunately for whatever reason, you know the crew really gave really gave the Revs uh, you know something to talk about. You know, going into uh, going into Columbus last year, I believe they tied two to two that first game um, at Columbus, and then I remember I believe it was the last game they played. Uh, I think they beat them three to two. So I mean, you know. A team like Columbus, you know, Siggy Schmidt has really assembled a, you know, a good core of guys. I mean, there wasn't much turnover in the off season. Uh, you have Moreno, who's you know at the top, near the top at, as far as goals scored this year. Um, you know, I think one one good game that showed them how you know how they've kind of arrived was the game against DC United at DC. Always a tough place to play, and they just really, I mean, pretty much controlled that game start to finish. I mean, they made DC look like you know made them look like yeah, the Columbus crew of last year for the most part. So uh, a little bit of a role reversal, but again, I think um, you know Columbus, even though it's early, I think they uh, they they could um you know become a real deal this year as far as uh, a contender for MLS Cup. But I think it is also worth noting, if you look at Columbus's schedule and who they've played, I mean, they got the loss in New York. That was a tough game for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't pull out a result from that. Uh, but other than that, they had a home game against Toronto. Uh, really not that bad of a schedule they've had uh, for the early season. They haven't faced Chicago, who, as we mentioned, have been so good and have you know, played so well against the Revs. And they haven't faced the Revs themselves, who, you know, with the exception yeah. of playing Chicago, have been such a great team. Uh, they haven't had to play you know, many difficult West Coast teams. Actually, the only team they played away on the West Coast is San Jose. Uh, and when they were playing D.C., D.C. was really struggling at that time. Now, they're still not playing too well, but Columbus has not had that many difficult games. 
And a lot of these games that they've played have been, you know, one-goal one wins. I don't think they've actually won a game all season other than the one against Toronto by more than a goal. So this, this is certainly a beatable team, I'd say, for the Rose, but they will have to be playing their best game. Twelman could possibly be back for this one. I know I talked to Nickel on Thursday about that. He was hopeful that Twelman would be back. Um, whether he starts, I, I would have guessed he doesn't at that point. Uh, but, of course, Ralston is still back in the lineup. So uh, this is definitely a game that if the Rose win, they'll be tied for first place. An important game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think this is a, a, a big game for both for both teams. I mean, when you take into consideration that this is going to be a real test for Columbus, and it's also, uh, you know, they're facing a Revolution team that just came off a pretty pretty decent win against San Jose, so you know that they have confidence. They're riding a two-game winning streak right now, so I think it's it's going to be, you know, a very interesting match to see which which team, you know, can carry the momentum beyond, you know, beyond Saturday. Uh, you know, we'll find out if the crew are for real, and we'll find out, you know, how... Uh, uh, see if the, if the Revs can ride the momentum of, of their past two games. So you know it's at Columbus. Obviously, you know it's not going to be it's it's not going to be you know as easy as it would be if it were at Gillette. But again, um, I think uh, I think it'll be a, a, a proven ground for both teams. You know, a, one of those rare games where both teams really come into it with something to prove. And worth noting too, with the exception of uh, DC and Toronto, these are all teams that the Revs have played this year and have beaten as well that Columbus have beaten. So, really, it should be an excellent game. Two teams that have been playing well this season, uh, with Rez and more players from back from uh, from the injury list. Uh, should be interesting. I think Twelman, I, I would expect to see Twelman in this one. Uh, but at the same time, maybe they won't rush him back after what happened in Chivas. Hmm. But, uh, really, this is a Columbus team with uh, guys like Scalotto, who are very creative. Moreno, who's very creative and actually been scoring some goals this year after, you know, really making some of the plays and then failing to finish. But... Not the same crew team we've seen in the past. No, and uh, you know, it, I guess you could say that Nickel has the luxury of kind of uh, sitting sitting Twelman. If 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 that's what if that's what Twelman needs, if he needs more rest, it's it's nice to know that you can go you can go up front with uh, with Mansali and with um with Dubay. So I mean, you know, it, it's a nice it's a nice luxury to have, especially after so many injuries, to still have the, to really have that depth and to really have those players that you know form that depth to you know be able to rise to the occasion. I mean, you know, it, it must be nice to not have to have per se uh, Twelman starting to to get a win. We do just have a couple minutes left here uh, before we wrap things up. I did want to. Bring up Ryan, who uh, was writing for ResNet, uh, one of his recent columns. We saw you talk about a sideline reporter for the Revs just six days ago. And then, sure enough, they had one uh, this weekend. <laughs> what, what, were you, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, the, Sunday morning, the Sunday morning striker could only hope that he could predict lottery scores in the stock market. That's all he can say. <laughs> well, like, thanks again, Brian, for joining us today. Keep up the uh, great work on ResNet. I know you're also doing some uh, coverage of the Stingrays, they were, you know, the local team right here in Rhode Island. Uh, certainly an interesting team to watch. They didn't have such a great season last year. What are you expecting them this year? Uh, hopefully they have a lot of uh, they have they have a lot of new faces this year. But at the same time, you know, you never know when uh, a guy like Jeff Cameron or Danley Borman or you know Lucas Tumis can show up and get drafted by MLS and make an impact like uh, Borman is right now. And again, the uh, Revolution do have a game coming up on Saturday again in Columbus at 7:30 against the Columbus Crew. Uh, we'll be back next weekend. Uh, thanks again for listening. You can get the archives and more news at RevolutionRecap.com.